Serenissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our... Folks, welcome back to the iHealth channel, iHealth Radio, with your host, Hurricane Age, new day, new show, new topic. And we're going to stay in the, the realm of innovation, in, in the realm of uh, technology, in the realm of uh, medical uh, tools and, and resources that is used for, you know, in, in the technological world, in, in the healthcare system, period. And I have someone with me who actually does advice, like advice consultant to companies and, 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 and folks that are into that type of piece of healthcare. And again, I, I'm not giving all the details because I'd like to allow her to give us more about it. But, but really, the idea is that we talk about different aspects of the healthcare all the time in different shows. And, you know, sometimes we call physical, medical, you name it. But we tend to not talk a lot about the technology behind, you know, the medical and the healthcare, uh, you know, services that we, we receive anywhere. And so today we're going to actually take a pose and talk about those things and how they work and what the what are the types out there uh, between the difference between tech versus devices and so on and so forth. You know, we'll talk about all that. So I have my my expert with me today, and, and it, she is actually um, uh, her own uh, company. I mean, she runs a company that is hers, and she does the, the work to to promote you know these services and to help you know people understand this more and and will understand more of. Of this from her. So, without any further ado, I have with me Nicole Coustier, and uh, she is going to talk to us a little bit about what I try to explain, <laughs> and we're going to guide it from there. So, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. No, oh, my pleasure. And uh, you know, I when we connected, I felt that there was definitely a need for clarity and clarification on really the world of health tech in general, how it all operates, and it's a different angle. And I know for a fact, you know, anyone listening, watching, they probably been to a hospital, to a medical doctor, and, uh, you know, they do have, you know, devices, they do have technology that makes things happen. <laughs> and uh, sometimes we don't even know the extent of how that works and what it does and how, how important it is. So, so but before we get into all that, you know, if you don't mind, Nicole, talk to us a little bit just about your background and, and your involvement in, in this technology space, you know, and how long and all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in this space for a really long time. So it's a, a little embarrassingly long, but something that I'm proud of. So I, I actually started out in infectious disease and environmental health and working for the government and working with the CDC. And, and then I got the bug uh, to learn about technology innovation as applied to healthcare in the life sciences industry. And I was hooked. I just loved learning about innovative technologies, how we're advancing patient care and how we are being more efficient, more effective at treating patients and uh, addressing diseases. And I was a consultant in that space for a long time, 16 years. 
And I launched lots of products in medical devices and molecular diagnostics and biotech. And my job primarily was to get these new medical technologies covered by insurance companies. So uh, my job was an uphill battle for 16 years, <laughs> but <laughs> a lot of successes, a lot of learnings. And what I did after those 16 years is I decided to uh, do two things. So I kind of split and I decided to create a, a health tech advisory where I started to help uh, investors and founders uh, really kind of validate some of their assumptions about how healthcare works in the US so that as they're developing their products, they actually have an eye toward all of the headache that can come later on and see if they can address that stuff up front and kind of prevent a lot of the headache. You know, I say headache in quotes, the headache that it can be to get those things covered by insurance companies, you can actually address a lot of that stuff up front. And so I started doing that work. And then I started actually my own executive coaching firm too, because, you know, the reality is when you're a founder, when you're in a startup, when you're trying to do all of this stuff and you have all these different stakeholders at the table and you're trying to please all these people, um, you need a sanity check sometimes. And so I kind of coupled those two areas of expertise. And so that's where we are today. Uh, well, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of grants to cover and, and, and definitely a lot of rich background. Uh, and we're going to try to expand in there, right? Well, the first thing is first, I mean, I, I, I have to say, I I don't get a lot of folks that worked at the CDC. <laughs> yeah. and, and so that's got to be a unique experience in its own. I mean, I know, and, and that's that's the other thing. CDC is known as just disease control, but there is more to it. I mean, they, they use tech, <laughs> I'm pretty <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> and uh, that's actually, uh, how was that experience, by the way? Just, just curiosity. Yeah. So I, I worked for a local government entity and we were reporting in and coordinating with the CDC on a number of different initiatives. And I mean, it was, you know, going and presenting at the CDC in front of, you know, an international body of experts, um, it can be pretty intimidating for somebody who is just out of school. And so it was a wonderful experience in the sense that it was personally very groundbreaking right? I had an opportunity where I was totally out of my comfort zone, but also to be able to interact with just brilliant people, people who are doing this to um, advance, you know, information, data science, um, knowledge, you know, how to translate that into changing behavior in the community, right? So this is, it was just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to work with brilliant people and see how people make decisions. What are their considerations? What's the rationale behind some of the decision-making? Uh, it was a truly insightful time. Wow. I mean, <laughs> that, that's gotta be a, uh, what do you call it? Like a bootcamp training, <laughs> you know, yeah, but, a little bit, <laughs> I mean, really coming yeah. in, I'm sorry, <clears throat> going into it 
and you're meeting with some top-notch people and 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 you know to your point worldwide you have to meet the expectation that's always hard and at the same time it's it's for you it's a big learning experience and i you know i always i sometimes I, i'm going to give an example that may be totally far-fetched from from where you were but it's almost the same concept in a different world so i came from the tourism industry and i went into the first job i had was at disney really the best of the best in the industry right <laughs> so yeah. so for me it was a you know a, a super experience boot camp training in like magic you know and in, in, in everything else so once you get that i mean it's a foundation that you can never you know get rid of and it, it sticks with you for a long term and i think that makes a big difference where you start at, at the onset of your career path anyways for whatever path you take so even for audiences whatever you do if you can get land in a place where they can give you that nice little uh, baseline, you know, everything. That's it. I mean, the rest is you, you basically get all that boost skyrocket, baby. <laughs> so, it's so that's so true. And I, I completely agree with you. And the one thing that I learned just being a part of that experience so young in my career, so early in my career, was how focused on the end game everybody was, right? So it was very goal oriented. And I took that into a corporate environment. Right. And so, you know, you hear stories all the time of people, you know, they they're working eight hours a day, but five of those eight hours, they're in meetings and calls and what, like what is getting done and, you know, what are we trying to do here? Uh, so much of what I learned in those early experiences is to be very end game focused. Right. And if we're not really moving the ball downfield, then you know, the only other thing that we're doing here is wasting time. That I mean, that's it. Either we're making progress or we're wasting time. There's no gray area, right? So you have to decide which category are we in when we're spending this time. And those are some of the lessons that I learned in those very early stages. Nicole, we're in the same frequency. As a matter of fact, I, <laughs> I can resonate to that very much because I've always wondered, like, you know, why there are too many meetings in all the different you know yeah, in the world right. some there's some meetings are just to decide when the next meeting is going to happen and what we're going to discuss in the agenda items right yeah and, and and it's unfortunate but that's just part of the culture and i did come you know a, a conclusion to that you know a dilemma and i think what it is is that people have to justify the existence in in in, in the space of any work and mm -hmm. uh you know when you don't have something tangible that you can produce you know uh in metrics you know, uh, you have to kind of compensate with with that you're busy. And right. so you create those opportunities. Now, that's my opinion, and people may disagree with it, but that's okay. I've had, you know, 28 years of corporate, you know, <laughs> living, I can tell you it's real, and it, it is what it is. And depending on what part of the corporate and you're in, uh, you will realize that exactly what it is. And you're right, there's doers, and there's talkers, and we can be talking all the time. But at the end, there is the yeah. end result that, that matters, we can, you know, that's the other thing we can get shortcuts and get to the bottom line let's see what's yeah. going on or we can just kind of like sugarcoat it and go do a dance around it and that's it it's unfortunate but you know it's not really the topic of the discussion but since you mentioned it i think it's it's important because people are listening in and they probably experience similar you know end of whatever end they're in they'll probably see it and they're like huh, yeah. why is it i'm being called to a lot of meetings they said a meeting and <laughs> And you find that meeting is just going for hours, but there's nothing being right. established or, 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 or finalized, right? Uh, yeah. It is what it is. What it is. 
And one thing that I've, to bring it back around, you know, one of the things that I've learned over my career is, especially in healthcare, you have all these different stakeholders that are at the table, right? You have the patients and the patient advocates, and then you have the physicians and the hospitals, and then you have the health plans and Medicare, and then you have industry, the technology people. So you have all these different stakeholders and they all want what's best. Like, I, you know, that's, I, I don't even think it's worth arguing. Like everybody wants what's best. But the issue is, well, you know, when you ask, well, we're in meetings and what's the end game here? Every one of those stakeholders, they have different perspectives. They have different priorities. They have a different mandate. Mm-hmm. I mean, their job at the table the decisions that they have to make and their perspectives that they're bringing are fundamentally different than anybody else's. And so it's one thing that I've learned in all of this time is, and one thing that I try to do with my advisory is to bridge that perspective, right? So if the patient and the patient advocate understands a little bit more where the physician's coming from and the physician understands a little bit more where the insurance plan is coming from and the technology company understands. If if different stakeholders can kind of understand and appreciate the different perspectives, it is going to be easier to bridge those things and achieve the goal, which is to improve patient care. And it's just, that's the nature of the U.S. healthcare system that you have all these stakeholders at the table and they all have to, they're all showing up to do different things. Well, Nicole, I think that's not necessarily just for the U.S. I think that's all over the world <laughs> and some parts probably worse and some parts isn't better yeah. and all, but, 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 but you're right. I mean, and, and, and it's funny because almost everybody that you mentioned then I have somehow been in some of those meetings <laughs> yeah <laughs> because, I'm sure because yeah. I'm in the insurance side so obviously we have right. us <laughs> one of those bodies and you have the providers usually in place sometimes you even have That's some right. members in there uh, the regulatory bodies and I've been actually in some state you know uh, meetings where you know back yeah. in the days I was in uh, New York and uh, we had some uh, Medicaid uh, design teams that we were discussing the whole thing about, you know, the Medicaid, Child Plus, and all those things uh, in New York State. So, and you had people from the plans, from, from regulatory, from the state, you know, and from legislation. So it was just kind of a little crazy. And it happens even in, in, in the regular world when you have just different departments working together. Right. It's true. So, but but to your point, when when everybody is in there, they have a mission, they have their own vision of what they need to, to, to yeah. come up with as an outcome that is benefiting their entity and therefore that's the problem. So if you're, we're not working for a common goal, sometimes that's the problem. But if we focus on one, you know, target and we all are interested in that being the bottom line, I think that makes a big difference. But I mean, listen, I mean, we're talking about just, you know, some of the uh, nuances of, of yeah. the business that we're in and healthcare in general, but it's, it's very similar to a lot of other industries, but it gets a little trickier to your right, because there's more regular regulation in healthcare. There's, uh, you know, there's just too many, there's profitability. <laughs> there's, there's all these factors that you have to actually look at your point in talking about state stakeholders at the high end, you know, right. they're interested in results and, 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 and what's the profit margin is going to look like. And then what my, uh, you know, shareholders are going to, you know, especially if you're a commercial plant, for example, and, and the providers, they own hospitals and things like that, whatever, uh, 
And then you yeah. have also the ancillaries and uh, the services. Uh, it's it's crazy. It's tech. I mean, they obviously produce things to make money, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> and, it's it's absolutely true. Although it's funny, I was talking to somebody else the other day about this, and it's like of of all the different ways to make money in life, hmm. like shooting for like making a blockbuster drug is not the way to go. Like, like the chances, uh, like when you think of the funnel that a new product has to go through from initial inception and then all the trials and then the regulatory process, which you mentioned, and then like all the way down to like actually getting to market and then being a blockbuster, like, Wow, there are way easier ways to make money than that. But you're absolutely right. Do companies make lots and lots of money with blockbuster products? Absolutely. Like, there's no question. But yeah, that's not the easiest path to take to that. And Nicole, I had actually a guest who was a very good friend of mine and a mentor of mine. And uh, he was in, in the pharma world for many years. And, yeah. and he, he, he had stated that he probably has been part of multiple products that were actually being yeah. put in place and only a few of them really made it to the market and, right. and, and really made the big bang and the big boom and, and they become the hit. Right. So, yeah. so, so there's a lot of that. I mean, you're right. But again, I mean, these companies also have super <laughs> deep pockets and they can, they can That's do true. all that. And, you know, they, they have enough revenue from the other products to actually compensate. Uh, but you're right. The the research and development, you know, piece in, in itself is 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 a long process, and there's a lot. I mean, I think that's what, and we don't want to shift from the discussion for today. But really, in the last couple of years with the pandemic, with the vaccine and everything, one of the biggest the reason there's a lot of debate about it is because we know how long it takes usually for anything to happen, and the trials and everything. And right. this happened to be quick, so there's a lot of you right. know, question about it. And I think sure. that's caused more headaches across yeah. the, the world than, and, and, and created the divide. Right. But, True. but it, you know, and listen, it is, it is a, uh, a necessary evil, as they say, it's part of the Well, process. it's unusual times, right? Yeah, it, it is. It is. Yeah. Well, so, so, so I, you know, we can literally just, you know, touch, touch, link this discussion into the real concept that we're discussing today about the health tech and uh, the yeah. medical devices and stuff. But I do want you to, if you don't mind to elaborate on, uh, what are some of those com components of the health tech in general? I mean, it's it's a pretty very large scale, I think, uh, title. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. a big it's a big concept, and we can maybe break it down to like the different levels and what they are. I mean, there's technology that is physical as in terms of devices. There's there's technology that is software based and all all the the tools that totally. can be used. So so if you don't just break us, you know, if there's a category list or something you can share in terms of just like what they are, just to bring to the audience closer to the concept, because some may just know it as, okay, there's technology there. Okay, good. What what is it? How does it yeah. work? Yeah. Well, the way I typically think about it when when clients come to me is three, I think three categories, maybe four. Mm. One is therapeutics. One is diagnostics, and one is uh, supportive or adjacent technologies, right? Things like software um, or things that are in the operating suite and, and stuff like this that is not considered the intervention, right? And so each of those categories are kind of subject to different levels of data requirements to be FDA approved, to be covered by insurance companies and things like that. So that's generally how I think of 
uh, health tech? What category do they fall into? And based on that category, what types of questions will they need to answer? What issues will they come up with? You know, the application of artificial intelligence to healthcare, um, it really does depend on what category is the AI being applied to. So for example, there, a lot of AI is being applied to the diagnostic realm, like imaging, for example, right? Can AI be better at predicting um, you, you know, what can happen to the patient and can, can AI be used as a lever in imaging and, you know, other types of diagnostics and laboratory diagnostics in order to better diagnose the patient? Maybe. Is more information good? Maybe. <laughs> How does that, you know, these are the types of questions that if you fall into that category, we've got to explore and we've got to be able to answer for some of the, the stakeholders that are at the table that I mentioned earlier. Well, thank you, Nicole. And well, I just, I just want to almost backtrack for a minute, but I just wanted to just claim this is that I, I maybe may have mentioned something to this effect, but really what I want to convey right now is the idea that medicine and healthcare in general uh, without the tech, you know, could be literally traveling back in time. <laughs> it is. I mean, yeah. you know, the technology is what makes, you know, the, the advancement, the, the actual results, the, the, the speed of the results, the speed of diagnosis and prognosis and treatment and all the stuff, the tools that the, the uh, I guess, the healthcare workers at all levels have yeah. in their hands to be able to, to do things, to perform better. Uh, you know, I mean, you're talking about diagnostics and MRIs, you know, CAT scans, all these yeah. things. Uh, for you said a few decades back, you know, those things were very expensive or very, there's was, there was very little access to them in the first place. You, if you needed to do a CAT scan, you'd have to go to a different place and a different state and maybe you're lucky to get in. Uh, now it's readily and, and very, very available to, to almost everyone at yeah. a cost, of course. And, and even the cost have... Uh, literally, the costs have shifted, you know, big time yeah. and, and 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 plummeted down. I mean, they really That's declined, right. and it's not as as expensive as it used to be. Yeah. But so 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 the the importance of technology is 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 vital. It's it's just it's it's important that we we highlight that and understand that it's a need and it's a must. It's not going anywhere. Uh, but understanding today some of the concepts behind it, how it operates, and and to your point, the stakeholders, how they see it, and what 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 is the process to really even establish these things and 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 the parameters for you and pricing and all that stuff. So, so you wanted to say something, sorry. Yeah, well, um, to answer that question, you know, one of the things to think about or one lens to use um, as you think about health tech is a lot of health tech is designed to help people make better decisions, right? A lot of that in, involves more information, right? or you're taking data that exists and you're collating it, slicing and dicing it, you're doing something different in order to make the data more accessible, to make it friendlier, to simplify it, to do other things to it in order, again, to help make better decisions. So, you know, we can talk about lots of different technologies, both historical and what's, what's out there now, beautiful case studies for how tech has really improved patient care and that decision-making, but that's what it comes down to, right? Is how do we get better at blank, 
And so that's, it's about information. It's about, you know, decision-making and that's what it really does boil down to. Well, well Nicole, that, that's, that's, that's true and that's fact, but I know that is not easy. <laughs> and, and the reason I know that is just simply because we just mentioned early in how many people uh, mm-hmm. and bodies are involved in some of these things, right? And so, yes. so information right. has also to be correct and, and available somehow. Somebody has to put the information together. <laughs> you know, so yeah. the, the data, you can only get data based on what you put in, in the first place. But if you put in the stuff that, it, or you don't capture things correctly in the first place, and that's uh, a problem. So, so what are some of the challenges that you've encountered uh, in this particular, you know, realm that I'm, I'm just describing right now? Well, if a, any. a really ex- good example that keeps coming up again and again and again for health tech is the difference between the type of data and the type of decision-making that's made, say, at the FDA versus at health plans or insurance companies of Medicare, for example. Uh, two totally different mandates, right? Two, they're looking at totally different things for approving a new technology. And you know, a lot of patients say, well, I don't understand why we can't give grandma this technology. It's covered by, you know, the FDA approved it, right? What do you mean I can't have it for my grandma? And, you know, one very important distinction is that the FDA looks at things like safety and efficacy, right? Um, You know, basically, does it does it harm the patient? We don't want it to harm the patient. And does, does the device, for example, do what you want to claim it does, right? So this is for marketing, right? If you want to, if you want to put a product out on the market, right? The FDA says, tell me what claim you want to make. And then we'll look at the data and say, if you can make that claim. Now the insurance company says, well, that's all fine and good, but that's not our mandate. Our mandate is, is does necessary? the patient get better, right? <laughs> right? Does the patient go back to work? Do they have fewer adverse events? Do their pain medications go down? Do, you know, and, and so again, t- totally different, right? But you need to address both. It's, but just because something goes through the FDA doesn't necessarily mean that, say, Medicare is going to cover it. And part of what, you know, I've been doing for many years is to bridge that gap. Like, you're going to go through the FDA process anyway. You're going to be collecting data. Why not collect data for both parties? Right? Mm-hmm. That is possible. You know, you can work in the FDA and Medicare, for example, have, you know, done a lot of work to try and, you know, get on the same page. But again, that that Venn diagram, that overlap isn't huge because they have totally different mandates. Well, I can tell you about Medicare because that's my world. (laughs) Yeah, you you say more than anybody. I work with, I mean, me personally, not direct. I mean, we do deal with them. We have our own account managers and things like that on the yeah. CMS and all that. But but overall in the health plans world, I mean, and I've been involved in some of those, you know, discussions that it, it especially when we start doing benefit design and things like that. And, you know, to your yeah. point, you know, there, I can give you a purse, just as a simple, this Medicaid covers it. Do we need to cover it? We shouldn't be covering right. it. You know, some of this stuff, you know, decisions are made and more so the patients, they don't even know how and why. 
but yeah. but but there's there is there is a, a background to those discussions because to your point, if you're subsidized by the, by Medicare, and and you know Medicare is giving you X amount of dollars to cover certain categories and things like that, now you have yeah. to be creative on what to offer in those particular parameters, and that makes it very difficult. And you're right, how to explain that to patients or members? <laughs> oh, we're just taking this benefit away. Oh, I, I you know, but we can't because we have no choice because of X Y Z. And and then to your point, there's the other part is. Is this going to make any improvement? If yes, and your health is going to be better, that means we're going to have less cost. Because again, let's talk, you know, insurance is about yep. cost. <laughs> it is. It's like any other insurance, right? Exactly. Car insurance, renter's insurance, it's, homeowner's it's, insurance. Same. That's right. It, it's yeah. If the risk is higher and you have too much, you know, right. utilization, it's, it's it, the companies can go, you know, bust yeah. basically and, you know, bankrupt. So, so there you have to mitigate that risk and kind of, but, but, you have to see whether there's validity to this. Is it going to support the care plan and it's going to help this person be more active? I give you not, nothing to do with devices, but for example, when I, maybe it could be added to that, but like, for example, in the plan I worked, uh, the gym membership is a big deal. Yeah. And, and so, but, but what we did, we gave them uh, things to use at home as opposed to going to the gym, for example. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so we gave them a whole kit, you know, like a gym kit yeah. to, to operate. And the purpose was to keep these folks in a healthier mode and active and so on and so forth. Therefore, less, you know, better cardio, less, you know, cholesterol, better right. diabetes, you know, you know. And so, but there's, there's, there's that. We can apply that same rule in medical devices and other things. I mean, some people True. want uh, a scooter, you know, and Medicare is big about that. Not yeah. all the plans cover scooters and, you know, you have right. to figure out what, what kind of level and do you need a regular one? Do you need the power? So it yeah. makes it difficult. So plans have their own challenges too. I'm not defending the yeah. plans, by the way. I'm just saying, giving a little bit of an example of where the decision can be a little bit convoluted. So. No, I, I totally agree. And I think we're saying the same thing, which is depending on which seat you have to sit in, you have a mandate, you have priorities, you have a perspective and you have a job to do. Now, the ultimate goal is to advance patient care, true. Ultimate. But yeah, but that's ultimate, right? <laughs> and the pathway to get there as a stakeholder is this particular path and other stakeholders have a different path. So, you know, in, in all of my work, the idea is to, you know, surface what the different stakeholders need what their perspectives and their mandates are, how do we bridge that versus somebody else's priorities, right? How do we collect data, present data, educate in a way that addresses everybody's needs so that there's a win-win and the technology actually gets out there and not just any technology, but good, good technology with a lot of utility actually gets out there. Well, we want that. <laughs> that's right. Well, well, so 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 Nicole, uh, that's a perfect, you know, um, I guess segue to to my next question, and that is, you, you mentioned earlier about how you help different uh, owners of you know uh, tech that you know to to almost kind of figure things out in advance and and avoid the headaches, <laughs> right? And so 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 first of all, let's talk about what kind of what types of, of owners and, and health tech type, you know, folks that you know you might be addressing. And and really like what would be some of the things that they should be looking for? I mean, if someone's listening right now and they happen to to want to be involved in, I don't know, diagnostic stuff and then get involved in MRIs and whatever, or other types of even smaller, you know, things. I mean, 
uh, with the pandemic, everybody got involved with the PPE, PPEs and all the stuff, and mm. it became a whole nightmare. I mean, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's that became a little bit crazy because people are utilizing different resources and sources from outside of the US, and it, it was a nightmare. But but so so in your world, some of the key elements that are maybe coming for anyone doesn't matter who what you yeah. know, if you're coming into this world and you want to be part of it and you want to be like making some money out of it, what are some of the do's and some of the don'ts? Yeah. I mean, I know it's 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 a probably a wide yeah. question, but no, no, no. It's it's perfectly fine. The so the Coustier advisory works on two in two different stages, right? Mm -hmm. So when a product is about ready to commercialize, right, they need to get the word out. They okay. they need to, you know, work with specialty societies, they need to um, you know, probably a lot of those claims, those initial claims in the first, you know, 18 to 24 months, those are going to get denied. We kind of know that's how it is with new technology. They're going to be denied. Um, so how do we work with the doctor's offices and the hospitals to uh, craft appeals to those denials so that we can educate the insurance company and work with the insurance company to say, you know, we're not trying to get this covered for like everybody that has this disease, but in this particular case, doesn't it make sense for this patient to get that technology? And over time, what happens is people get a lot more comfortable with that new technology. They start to understand it more. They start to see more cases. They start to appreciate the differences in patient selection. And so there, there are a lot of programs that are developed there, whether it's patient advocacy or mm -hmm. helping physicians and hospitals kind of get those things uh, and educate lots of different stakeholders at that process. Um, now, separately, I work with very, very early stage people. So people, and a lot of times they're physicians, right? Mm -hmm. So they, they're either practicing physicians, they're academics, they notice a gap and they say, nobody else is working on this. I would really love it if blank. And so they decide they're gonna develop something to fill that gap. Mm -hmm. And so there's a huge leap between having a great idea and actually making that great idea become something, right? <laughs> and so another thing that I do on, on the early stage stuff is, in the pre-seed and, and seed stages is to help people validate some of their assumptions, right? Because from their lens, it's obvious, right? It's, of course we need this, but really there's some education, there's some additional validation that needs to occur before you can determine if that's a viable technology and should move forward. And if the cost is going to warrant it and is it going Got to be it. accessible and, you know, well, right. well, but, but then again, it goes back to, to what you mentioned earlier about the insurance. So my question is, wouldn't, wouldn't it be a good point when someone in that level is trying to think something, maybe to actually maybe get the buy-in of the insurance companies before coming up with something like. No question. That, I mean, I, I think that yeah. that would be, I, I can just imagine if someone walks in and says, you know what, we have this great idea. I think it's yeah. going to benefit your 
your members. That's right. And and guess what? It's gonna save you a cost. I say, okay, sign me up. Let's talk. <laughs> right? It, it makes yeah. sense though, right? Uh, well, so- absolutely. And you know, a lot of what I've done over the years is when companies say we have this great technology and we're, you know, we're gonna go through the FDA, and then you know, we think our technology is great and we think our data is great. And you know, basically for the payers, we're crossing our fingers and we're hoping that the payers agree with us. I'm like, you don't have, cross your fingers is no kind of strategy, right? And I say in those early stages, why don't you ask them? Why don't you just go talk to the medical directors and say, look, this is, this is, our, this is our clinical trial design. These are the data that we're collecting. Is this, is this gonna meet your criteria for coverage? You can ask them. <laughs> they will tell you, they will tell you, you know, three months of follow-up is not enough. I need a little bit more or, you know, your, your, the variables, the data outcomes that you're collecting are really about the, the device itself. But really, I want to know about what happens to the patients. Can you collect some data on that? Right. They will tell you up front. It does not have to be a mystery. Well, Nico, that's a an excellent point because to your point, if they were to check in and, and maybe get the, not only the buy-in, a matter of fact, if you ask any health plan, they probably tell you all the problems that they have. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> and, right. And, and they'll give you like, you know, find me a solution yeah. to this and we'll be a partner for life. Right? <laughs> I, I, I can, I can just relate to that. I mean, you, you know, of a lot of issues that happen with your members, yeah. whatever the case may be. And if you had only, if you only have someone to actually come up with a solution that can make that happen and ultimately yeah. save you millions and cost in care and and, yeah. and that's that's really everybody's and again I, I tend to go back to the to the cost here because on the insurance yeah. side but really at the end of the beneficial the most person that's going to get all the benefits is that patient or that member because it's all geared to it doesn't matter insurance still has to provide the care the question is what kind of level of care and if we can make their lives of you know in much much better and healthier and maybe make them mobile you know in a better way and 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 live a longer life and whatever devices whether they're implanted whether they're used you know uh, externally it doesn't matter helplines will jump on that like you know it's like hotcakes they'll just take it <laughs> yeah you're making a such a great point here and the way i talk about this in the kind of in the in the startup world or founders even even in other industries even if it's not health tech but mm-hmm. it could be climate tech or ed tech or whatever it is but there's this concept of the difference between solving a problem and solving a pain point right so everybody will agree that you know this is a something that you're trying to solve for is a problem right so you if you try to solve for a problem everybody will say oh that's beautiful go for it you know it's wonderful you know kudos for solving the problem but not everybody will have a pain point associated with that problem and if the pain isn't significant enough you know what they're not gonna they're not gonna buy the thing they just aren't now conceptually and theoretically right on principle, we should be solving problems. But really, if you want the technology to move forward, you need to solve the pain point. And this whole concept of, hey, as a health plan, I can tell you about all my pain points. I would love for somebody to solve my pain points is a very, very important distinction. Well, it is. And and maybe uh, we'll 
part of the discussion. Maybe we can find a way to help people, you know, get into it. But yeah. but you're right. I mean, it's I I sit in some of these meetings on the on on the the side. I mean, I'm in the sales end of it, right? So the first people that hear it all the time is us because you're in 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 the front you know, align with, with yeah. patients and prospects and members. Right. And when, when our, you know, agents do enroll people into the plant the products, you know, and anything that doesn't go their way, you know, you sign me up, you lied to me, misrepresented, you know, all the above. Right. So right. we always kind of vouch and kind of like, you know, advocate for our members and we need this, yeah. we need that, we need this service, we need to keep them healthy and stuff like that. And at the same time, we want to make sure that they get the resources that they need. And I have to say, though, I don't get resistance. We never get resistance when it comes to like the ultimate goal to your point to really fix the pain point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the problem yeah. is we only have a set of things that we have in, you know, in yeah. our arsenal that we can use. We have right. excellent care managers, nurses that actually do. And, and I do. I can advocate for them, too. They really love their members and, and patients. Yeah. I mean, they sometimes they fight with us <laughs> you know, <laughs> because they really they really care so much about yeah. the patients. So that's important to know. Now, again, this may vary a little bit from a commercial plan to a government plan and things like that. Mm -hmm. But right. The base is almost the same, right? Uh, it's just who's paying for things, right? Right. <laughs> and, and that's the other thing, I think, uh, since I mean, who's paying? Because when in the commercial world, guess who pays? It's the consumer. That's right. And and so so if if there is introduction of anything, guess who pays that difference in price or that additional value? It's in your premium. So that becomes yeah. a little bit more difficult. In the government programs, it's a whole different world because you only get an X amount of dollars per month per member and the story, whether you like it or not. That's so make, right. manage it. Now, maybe there's categories. And if you quote it correctly, you get a little extra dollars, but that's about it. So it's, it changes dynamics from one type of, of health plans to the others. But, but the, the physicians uh, today and the health groups and the health you know, uh, facilities, uh, there's a lot of synergy with, with health plans. I think there's, there's more of that today. Mm -hmm. And there's, and, and by the way, most of the health plans are kind of produced by <laughs> particularly yeah, no, providers. they're, they're yeah. really they're really owned by most of these doctors or right, these hospital right. systems so yeah. so there is that because at the end of the day it's just their payer and they maintain you know to make sure that their their revenues are are adequately you know uh, operating but but at the end of the day there's a lot of discussion in 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 all this and they make sure that it's covered and and, and it's working but you're right uh, introducing a new device a new technology is not that easy and 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 but you're right if someone is having a discussion having a round table about you know the benefits and, and you added a very great value which is what does that mean to those patients that's right because you're right i mean we can do all the statistics and and you know how this is going to be good and potent but what does that mean to the actual end user yeah i mean you know there's you know there's a lot of people who may wish that the u.s healthcare system were were different, right? And there are a lot of people working on changes to that. And that's fine and that's fantastic. But there is also a reality of the way things operate currently, right? And for patient access to new technologies, right? The question is for all of those stakeholders, what are, you know, what questions do they have to answer? What are their pain points? And, you know, how can technology developers address those pain points in order to ensure that, that those patients have access to, to all the work that they've put together to develop that technology. 
it's not enough that the technology is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Like that's not enough. You know, what are the pain points? What are the issues that the payer is dealing with? And what are the, you know, what's the calculus that they go through in order to make their decisions? That stuff has to be taken in consideration. But, but in, in the same aspect, this is, this is a standard sales technique. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll make it you know, that way as simple as that, because it, we don't sell, you actually find the need, right? You have to assess the need. That's and similarly, if you're going to produce a device or, or tech, you need to assess what that need is, how right. it can. So all your visibility has to be there and you have to know what ROI is going to be there, what's in it for them. If you don't, that's, a, and I, I know that that's what you do. That's how you break it down to them. But, but the bottom line is, if we all, you know, have some sort of a, an understanding of the concept, it will be easier. Uh, but then again, we wanna we would need you, right? We need you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Listen, I you know when I was a consultant, a lot of times, especially in the commercialization area, I used to build these programs, right, to appeal denied claims and to educate payers and to align the physicians and the patients and do all that, that kind of stuff. I, you know, we used to say if we did it right, we worked our way out of a job in twenty four months. I mean, the whole point was alignment, right? I mean, I would love it. Listen, I would love it if I didn't have to keep going around and teaching people these things. That would mean that, yeah, there's greater alignment. There's more cohesion in how people, these different stakeholders are working together. I will go find something else to do. But for now, right, this, there's still a significant need. Uh, you know, I want to educate people on the differences between these things, even if it's as simple as a patient saying, I don't know why grandma can't get that drug, right? Oh, that's very common. <laughs> very common. Yeah. But there's, but there's reasoning behind it, right? We can argue about whether it's good reasoning or bad reasoning, but it's not an arbitrary decision. And so, you know, getting the word out and making sure people understand how that the inner workings of that happens in the U.S. healthcare system. Yeah, there's still a need for that. Well, Nicole, first of all, we do need you, and I don't think you're going anywhere. <laughs> this is <laughs> not this is yet. not this is not going to dissipate anytime <laughs> soon. This is going to be ongoing, and every time there's a new discovery, the new technology, new innovation, it's going to be in the same loop, and it's going to need people to really, you know, work it around. Uh, but but I did want you mentioned claims a couple of times, and especially in the the inception of the product and how you mm -hmm. managed to produce those those programs to promote the products, right, and market them. Uh, it it is it is a question that I have that if if the company the health tech company is producing this and they did all the due diligence and now it's marketed and now it's happening why is it that they they already almost knowing that it's going to be a two like many many claims declined but if they can possibly maybe um work directly in getting the approvals before they yeah. can actually get the service i mean because i know health, health plans have authorizations you know, they so do. you just, you know, you, your primary doctor cannot just prescribe things. They have to That's go right. through the protocols and health plans have to appoint medical directors that will evaluate these, these requests. And if the request is valid and it yeah. makes sense, sure. So, That's so right. what, why would they still take the risk? Yeah. So this is a fantastic question. So there are a couple of different reasons. The first is if the company didn't know any better, if the company really believed that the data that they were going to the FDA with 
was sufficient enough for coverage. And, you know, maybe they did a little bit of due diligence on that and they, but it's cross your finger strategy. Then, uh, yeah, then maybe from the health plan's perspective, the data just isn't good enough, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're just not going to cover it. Now, there are some, you know, kind of the mechanics of how claims get processed and adjudicated, like sometimes new technologies, it can take a couple of years before they get their own code to put on the claim form, right? And so now you're using this miscellaneous code and then that gets kicked out because the software system says, well, I don't know what this technology is, right? So so there can be a lot of different ways why, why it's just a slog in those first 18 to 24 months. It's just, you know, and then payers have a cycle for when they review their policies and update policies. And if the next cycle doesn't happen for another six months, well, you got to get on their calendar. You know, it's all the things. And so there could be a lot of different reasons. Um, Now, if a health tech company is on the ball and does talk to payers early and adjusts their study design to incorporate patient-related health outcomes that the payers are actually interested in and would love to see and would cover a technology for, then yeah, you shorten that timeframe, right? Now it's not 24, 36 months. Yeah, maybe it is. 12, 18 months, but, you know, lots of factors, lots of variables there. Nigel, I told you we're going to need you. They're going to need you. <laughs> yeah. They're in, uh, yeah. I'm not going anywhere for a while. <laughs> we, if you're listening, you want to be in the health tech, you do need the right advice and understand how this <laughs> operates. Just don't get, don't have wing it and expect the results to be like, you know, great. But again, I mean, any innovator sometimes, and by the way, the, the idea of idea, like you mentioned something about everybody can have a great idea. Uh, Listen, everyone listening, watching around the world, there's 7 billion plus, you know, they all have ideas of everything. If you tell them, you know, a TV, they're going to give you 10,000 potential ideas, but they can be all ideas that are redundant and things like that, and maybe not even feasible. Uh, but you're right. It's doing this, the right studies. I'm, uh, a small example, I did actually have a, uh, a um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, <laughs> an invention. It's a simple yes. invention. It was based yeah. on a need. And uh, before I went through to, through it, it actually had to vet it out. And we did a research. We had to see if it's available, what's close to it. Is there a potential for the market for it? You know, not just here and globally. And we, it took about a few weeks. We got a couple of studies on it before we actually went to file for it. And then we yeah. did. And even with that, we marketed it and it's been three years and we still don't have a license for it. <laughs> so, so just to tell you, it's not, it doesn't work that easy. And yeah. my mind was not, actually mine could be literally a health tech because you can use it. I, I thought about it for my own mother and that's there how, you, you, know, you know, so that's how it came up with. But, but that's the idea, where a lot of things are born, right? Yeah, it was a need, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's available I and mean, people can search it. It's, it's just a, a lift kind of home, you know, home uh, portable lift. Yeah. That you can actually, you know, ask, you know, get, you know, easily uh, to to higher grounds, and uh, so the idea, but but to make it, you know, something that is different, that is potentially, yeah. you know, that you can have a patent, and I got the utility for twenty years and all that, but mm. but it was not easy. But we had to do the studies just to make sure that it's not just a an ad hoc idea. Okay, I got an idea. Okay, cool. Well, there's a lot of ideas, but is it even worth investing in it and and taking the That's time or not? Yeah. And same thing here. If there are ideas, you have to do all the the above. 
And if you do it correctly, you should <laughs> eventually get the results. And you have to, in this case, in healthcare, you have to go to regulatory and more. Uh, but but so so you mentioned something about programs that you create yeah. to help, you know, these folks kind of like put their products out. Yeah. Uh, if you don't mind, can you share with us some of those examples or some of the things that, you know, that the tactics that you use to help? Again, this, this, yeah. this, this particular show is probably going to be seen by everybody. Some can be creative, yeah. some can be leaders in companies or innovators, or some can be just right. patients and public that can be at least understanding like what, what really takes care of me. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of stuff that, that's behind the healthcare and this is a piece of it. Yeah. So, so what would be some of those? Well, uh, so I'll give a couple of examples. Um, I've designed programs in the uh, in medical device imaging, where uh, you know it's just new, and you know sometimes there are technologies that are not these sort of big ticket items. So it might not even be on the insurance company's radar, right? And so we design a program to educate the payer to make sure that, you know, when claims are being submitted to the payer, that yeah, there's sufficient information in there. You're sending in medical documentation and you've got information on the technology itself because otherwise the payer's like, what the heck is this thing? Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, they go to the website and the web website is maybe it's good, maybe it's not. Like, you can't just assume that everybody just ought to know everything about everything, right? There's a lot to keep up with. So there's patient education, patient advocacy work where, um, you know, if it's a Medicare patient and they have, you know, maybe they're a transplant patient and, um, you know, they need to take uh, immunosuppressive drugs, right? To keep their organs working. Um, and that drug isn't under you know, the Medicare drug benefit, but it's other, this other benefit and they can't figure it out. And they're, you know, they're just a Medicare beneficiary and they're, you know, 60 years old and can you help me, right? So it really does depend. There are also, um, you know, on the reimbursement side, like just for the, you know, there's a biller in the hospital who has to figure out what to put on a claim form. And they're like, what is this thing? What code do I use? What, you know, so we can help various stakeholders, but it's in that early stage when the technology is just new to everybody. And, uh, you know, everybody needs a little bit of help in different ways to kind of make it through. So, so Nicole, I, I, I just, as you were talking, I'm thinking about, you know, what about when payers, for example, they, they do contract with providers and they do negotiate rates for different services and, you know, whether diagnostics and lab and all these things. I mean, it, that could be a good point where they can really establish some of these parameters for anything that they think new and they use and therefore they can establish those rules initially. So if we agree on something and we have a rate for this, even though it's a new technology, we can make it valuable to us and, you know, maybe put it in the right place. That may also help. Uh, and again, I'm not sure if that's happening or not, but, you know, um, mm -hmm. just uh, something that came to my mind. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And sometimes it really does depend, right? So different, you know, providers will have totally different contracts, mm -hmm. you know, with the same payer, right? And so, you know, it really does depend, like, how does your contract handle new technologies? Is there a carve out? 
Is it, you know, you know, something that is similar, you just get paid whatever the other thing gets paid? Like, I don't know, it depends. And those are the things that when you think about best practices, as you go into contracting, you know, there are certain things that, you know, a hospital or a doctor's office or a practice can keep in mind when, especially if they're really bullish on new technology and they want to incorporate, they want to be an early adopter of new technology. Well, then you got to take that into your contracts. When you talk with your payers, you've got to consider that. Well, Thank you. And, and Nicole, there's one thing that, that comes to mind also and the same, you know, uh, I guess, focus point or focal point here, the um, fraud, waste and abuse, for example, is a big deal. And, you know, that's that's, I think, an angle that that's always in, like a, a for <laughs> it's a radar. Oh, right? yeah. And, and everybody's looking at, you know, what does that mean? Because it is we've seen it actually we've heard of it i mean it's on the news you know many every now and then you hear stories but but there is a, a tendency to sometimes use uh, devices services products and whatever in excess or code them the wrong way whatever so there's that 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 piece of 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 things that people should be aware of so if they're considering you know a, a device or a, a tech whatever they need to yeah. also know like what is to use the frequency it's like not to get flagged in a way that is not appropriate therefore it's either declined or now you have an, you're under investigation and it could be a that's problematic right. thing that's so. right so there's yeah there's like in a lot of ways there's a right way to do something and then there are lots and lots of wrong ways to do it right and so you know there's and you know then you get lawyers involved and then there's a lot of gray area, right? And different <laughs> companies will have different tolerance levels for how much to push the envelope, right? But, you know, on these programs that I design, sometimes doctors call me and they say, well, how much should I charge for this? And I'm like, I can't, I'm not telling you what to charge. You decide what to charge. There's no way I'm telling you, right? Now, you know, I can, we can talk about, you know, how do you set charges for other things? Well, use that as a, you know, you can figure out how to set a charge, but I'm not going to give you a dollar figure that crosses a line, right? Mm -hmm. I can, there are certain things that, again, from an anti-kickback statute yeah. standpoint or fraud and abuse and all these other things, there, there are lines <laughs> you don't cross. Now, there are always people who are going to ask mostly because, and it's not, there's nothing malicious in it. They just don't know any better. Right. And, um, and that's fine. They can always ask, but as far as these programs go, yeah, you got to be aware of those compliance related issues and make sure not to cross those. Well, it's, it's an, it's a very sensitive area. And, yeah. and again, sometimes, again, when you mentioned earlier about doing, doing the due diligence and following all the stuff and doing all this, this stuff. you got to look at all the aspects. Pricing is one. I mean, to your point, if, if you, you produce a product or a tech and another company maybe overseas is producing a similar, <laughs> you know, yeah. technology, and now I can get access it for like half a price. That could be a challenge. <laughs> now right. we can talk about quality. We can talk about a lot of things. And is this device going to, you know, turn out to be bad and we have to do recalls and whatever. I mean, that could be a problem. Yeah. And we, we've seen that happen. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just a very, you know, uh, it's It's a very, very um, large yeah. realm of potential issues that can happen in, in this particular world of, of tech and, and insurance and healthcare in general has a lot of sensitivity. Uh, then, then there's the other piece of, uh, I guess, information. 
and 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 personal information sometimes and HIPAA uh, rules and all yeah. this do apply too. So you have to be sensitive to every single thing. And, and you're right, the end consumer though uh, may not know all these things. That's the problem true. is it's for most of the people, they don't even know what's behind the scene. This is like all behind backstage. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. The, the patients and the members, they expect to go to a facility, get services, don't that's get billed and that's it. <laughs> and- yeah, no, it's so true. And there are so many case studies of things where, yeah, the patient, you know, the physician prescribed something. So the patient assumes that the physician prescribed it. Well, they should know if it's covered by my insurance company. I shouldn't expect a bill when it's like the physician's like, I have no idea. Like, I don't even know what your insurance is. <laughs> That's somebody else's job to know your insurance. So again, beer, you know, there are a lot of assumptions about what other stakeholders know, don't know, do, don't do. And it is making sure that, you know, if we can bridge that either through some of the programs that I talk about or through educating really early on, you know, some of the tech companies that I talk to, they're shocked when I say, you could just go go to the medical directors and ask them what they want. They're like, I can do that. I'm like, absolutely, you can can do that, you know? And then sometimes they run pilot programs, right? Let's try, this sounds promising. We, you know, and sometimes the technology companies say, well, we don't have enough data yet. You know, and the insurance company will say, well, we'll work with you. We will conditionally approve for this subset of patients. Let's collect the data together because win-win, right? How all of that stuff is possible? Well, it is. And and especially in today's world, we have value-based stuff. And and a lot of companies would be more than open to such things if your your technology solution is going to, you know, uh, provide serious results for improving the health of our members. And certainly we can save some dollars there. And that that cost could be back to you. So now there is a stake that you have in the game to make it work. Uh, there's, there's a lot of ways, and you're right. I mean, as simple as making a meet, taking a meeting with the medical, you know, team and, yeah. and see what what they. That's what I said. You can, they know what's going on. <laughs> right. You know every. They know the members. They track the members. You know yeah. all the the the, the use utilization, uh, the types, the cases, the illnesses, and all the stuff. And they should be. They have the data. I mean, helplines track that like you know closely. <laughs> yeah, well, to our point earlier, I mean, health plans are insurance companies. I mean, they have actuaries yes. where their job is just to go through the data. They're swimming in data going back decades. So yeah, a lot of this stuff isn't new, but you know, some of the issues that I deal with with the new technology companies is you know, a lot of that past data, what if it doesn't apply to the new technology? Okay, now let's talk. Now we're talking about more innovative partnerships for how, you know, how do we collect that data? What data do we actually need? And, you know, hey, if it's going to help patients, if it's going to help the members of my plan, like, yeah, payers are like, yeah, I want it. (laughs) You know, you just got to make sure that it actually does what well, yeah, well, but definitely. And, and by the way, I wanted to just <laughs> go back to the point you mentioned earlier about the doctors not even knowing what the insurance covers. Yeah. That's actually pretty realistic. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Doctors contract, you know, over no years, the, the things change over the time, the benefits change annually. There's ups and downs in the benefits changes and, you know, people yeah. expect I'm just going to walk in and walk out with my benefits and this is yeah. going to cover 
It may not be. Uh, even formularies, drugs, they shift. I mean, today right. is covered, tomorrow is not covered. The tier changes. Yes. Devices can be co not covered one year, covered the next day. I mean, right. uh, next year. People have to be aware. And uh, you know, again, hopefully people can listen to something like this. This is a show and, and get at least an idea of what to expect. Yeah. And, and just to set expectations here. Yeah. Uh, but, but so, Nicole, I wanted to ask you a question now for our tech companies or tech I guess, uh, gurus or tech people that want to get involved into it or some, if someone has an idea and they really want to take it to the next level, what would be the advice you would give them or some of the, the steps? Obviously the first advice I'll tell them to go to you, but, uh, <laughs> but, but so, well, uh, yeah, I will, I'll tell you the questions that I will ask is I, I will start at what is the problem that you're trying to solve? Mm -hmm. Okay. Cause it has to start there, right? Like what's the gap you're trying to fill? But then secondly, what is the pain point separate from the problem? Okay, right. because the, the problem, everybody, you know, solution to a problem, everybody can get behind. It's the pain point that is really going to get you traction if you're addressing the pain point. So, um, you know, in the startup world, they say that there are three factors, right, for any tech getting off the ground. Um, you know, the problem, the pain point, uh, the solution that you have, and then the customer, right? So the customer might be like, who's the customer? Is it the physician? I, some, you know, I, I argue that the customer is often the health plan, right? Um, but yeah, you have to identify that. And what they say in the startup world is you hold on very, very closely to the pain point, you hold on very closely to the customer, but you hold your solution loosely, right? You have to modify your solution to address those other two legs of the stool. <laughs> Make sure your solution is not the weak leg of that stool if you want your product idea to be successful in, in the healthcare environment. Well, that, I mean, that's an excellent point. And it's, uh, thank you for clarifying that because again, if someone's listening and, you know, they might like, oh, I'm, I, I want to, I think I have a super solution. You know, yeah. I think it, we, you might want to consider, you know, these, these points and, and understanding. And, and I like the idea about being loose about the solution because if you just, if your idea is, is stiff and limited and you can't really adapt it, you might just be out of luck because it may not work. Uh, yeah, it's is, a different version of cross your finger strategy. Instead, <laughs> you, you need to listen to what your end users are telling you about what they need, what their pain points are, and what, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And then you can actually land on something that will make an impact. And, and, uh, thank you. And, and by the way, Nicole, you made a very, a super point, the fact that sometimes you don't even know who's the end user here, because it yeah. can be, it can be a little convoluted because, if yeah. a solution is used by the doctor, is really the doctor to make him or her do better, you know, work. Is that is that is that really the end user there, or is it that the patient that's going to get the better right. results? And it does get a little cloudy there because to it me, does. Like you, you can think about it. Well, oh, the doctor is going to be happy; they're going to love the solution. Yeah, yeah but is it going to do any extra stuff for the patient? Maybe is yeah. the plan even going to be happy with the solution because now it's going to be more money for them. You're right. So there's three components that you have to almost add them up and see like at what point they all align that it's going to benefit right. each and every one of them. If that's it works right. the three, I think you're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's absolutely right. And, you know, a lot of people think of, and again, their heart's in the right place, right? They're, they notice a problem in patient care, 
and they're trying to solve that problem. Um, but in order to get there, you have to consider a lot of different factors and don't, don't go into that process with blinders on, just make sure, you know, and Hey, if, if your study design sucks, it sucks. I mean, better to know that way up front than before you get to the FDA. I mean, just, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies are scared to talk to medical directors, right? They're scared to talk to the specialty societies and all these things. And I'm like, listen, it's better to know. It's better to know. And my role as a consultant and advisor is unfortunately to be delivering bad news of, you know, this isn't going to cut it, or this isn't going to work, or this isn't going to whatever. But I, I'm happy to deliver that message in those early stages if we can pivot. If, again, if we're holding on loosely to the solution and we can modify, we can do additional validation, different use cases, other things to make that a viable product, um, then, then we're good, right? Then it's win-win. And I have to say, actually, that's not a bad, you're not a message of doom here because in, in the essence, you are doing them a favor by telling them, you know, that this is not going to work because yeah. you're right. That's actually, I will take that positively. If you're telling me it's not going to work yeah. based on the expertise, that means I got to work on my stuff. And now I know I'm not going to your point blind and just going all the way 10, 10 steps further and just only to find out I'm like in a dead end. I, yeah. can, I can probably open a different door and maybe make a, a amendments to things and, and make it work. So, so again, obviously someone is really, you know, close-minded and you come back like, oh, this is sad. You know, I'm, I put all this much energy and effort and my idea is the most, <laughs> yeah. you know, well, maybe there's, that's the, that's it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> people have to, to have an open mind about the idea that, you know, and that's, that's what I said earlier. It's like, you got to vet out things and you ask the people that know, uh, you know, this business better than most. And, you know, to your point, if you go to the end users and see what exactly their expectation would be, if such a solution would be available to them, they're, the, they're going to tell you, Oh, I love it. I'll jump on it. I'll have it today. And the plan's like, that's yes, right. sign me up. I'm in. <laughs> we all agree. Right. That's it. <laughs> But but you can ask the questions. You're right. It's it's not a it's not it's not taboo. You can go out there and, and find you know uh, advisory yeah. you know boards and get people you know from the community. And you're right, specialty yeah. you know folks. And you have the plans. You're right. I mean, uh, they, right. if they get if you want them to pay for it, they they might might as well have them have a say in it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No question. Yeah, go to them early and often. They'll talk to you. Yeah. Well, so so to that effect, I mean, if someone comes to you right now and says, you know, I, I have this great idea and I'd like to do this. Do you actually facilitate that? Would yeah. you facilitate that? Definitely. I mean, I've, so there are a couple of things, you know, sometimes it's my own personal experience working so many years with health plans and Medicare. Like I can tell them up front, I can look at a study and I can say, yeah, this is not going to fly or you're probably going to need something else. Or, you know, from the health plans perspective, this is what they're going to need. Um, and this is what the shortcomings might be. Um, and then there is a separate step where we could go ahead and set up calls with medical directors or benefit managers or uh, like lots of different stakeholders, right? Whoever the stakeholder needs to be, whoever we determine the end user to be, right? And do really informed interviews with people who are willing to sit down with us. And, you know, they have, again, a, a stake in this in that they're willing to spend time upfront right? To have tech companies do this right, instead of all this time on 
you know, downstream, where this is a technology that they're not going to cover <laughs> for one reason or another, and then have to deal with that mess. They help plants don't want to deal with that mess. Well, uh, but I, it's an excellent point. And actually, for people who are listening and watching right now, if you're into the world that you want to be an inventor or innovative in the healthcare space here, uh, specifically in healthcare, you got to remember something. If you're going to find a, a dead end at the end that no one is going to buy your product or, or pay for your product, you'll be wasting a lot of time, money, and energy. You know, I, and I, I'm probably stating the obvious here, <laughs> but, but, but understanding that is really what's going to happen. You know, yeah. you, as you said, cross your finger and see what happens. That doesn't work. <laughs> you got to yeah. do it right. And, and, and we have people that can help us through this process to get to it and understand what would be the right way to do it and get the results. That's it. I mean, you, you've covered it all. I mean, I think that's a, a pretty solid <laughs> process that people need to be aware of. And again, for our audiences and, and viewers right now, I mean, it doesn't matter what spectrum you're in. Are you in the consumer side, in the provider side, the helpline side, or the actual tech side? You know, this can give you a little bit of an understanding of what just what to look for and how things are working. And I think that's important for everyone to just take home. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, so, Nicole, I know we've we've actually exceeded the hour and it went quick. Um, so are, are there any other additional things that you would like to share, you know, before we close to the show? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, my big takeaways is I, I want to make sure that people know that, you know, there are no bad guys here, right? I mean, if there's one thing that I've learned working with so many different stakeholders over so many years is that when you sit in somebody else's shoes, you really have an appreciation for what their perspective is and what they're trying to accomplish within this healthcare ecosystem. And that, um, there are bridges, there are ways to bridge the different, what seem like competing priorities. Um, and, you know, to just get on it early, you know, stop throwing good money after bad, just pause, see, you know, if we can talk to the health plans early, then, you know, maybe we can solve our, you know, save ourselves a lot of grief. And that's, that's definitely a viable pathway. Thank you, Nicole. What, what I, I do want to say this, I think this concept, I mean, your, your, your real formula or method and, and your message is so clear. And I think that that can apply beyond just the borders and, and, and our healthcare system, because that's, that's probably true for every other healthcare system in the world. And, you know, because I'm sure that they, have, they face similar issues anywhere in Canada, Europe, you name mm -hmm. it. Right. Uh, that's one. So, so that being said, um, are you open in terms of services to the world or is it just that you focus in, in the U.S. market? I do focus on the U.S. market. And so a lot of the mechanics of some of this stuff is specific to the U.S. Okay. Um, I've worked lots of times with OUS companies who are trying to bring their products into the U.S. though. So that is another area. But I don't work in Canadian reimbursement, EU reimbursement or anything like that. Just U.S. No, perfect. And I'm asking because we come into the industry and I always want to make sure that people have access to you and your services. So, so if you don't mind, tell us how people can get, get, get hold of you if they need, you know, your services and whether, whatever part of the world they're in, I mean, whether then the, the private you yeah. know, sector, healthcare, tech, you name it, I guess your clients are all health, you know, tech, you know, companies, right? Primarily. Yes, absolutely. Health tech. So 
yeah, companies who are interested in um, launching products here in the US or again, investors or founders who want to validate some of their assumptions about how healthcare here works. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Nicole Coustier, or go to my website, nicolecoustier.com. Uh, and I'll have that link in the description of the show. So folks, you know, uh, that will be a quick access to it. Uh, again, I hope that a lot of people can benefit from this. And, and you're right. I mean, investors, that's we didn't talk about that. But I mean, yeah, if you're going to put money in <laughs> in a project, you want to make sure yeah. it's going to be uh, viable for you. So hey, listen, that's right. and, and there's a lot of investments that go into the healthcare and health tech. So, so yes, I mean, please do. Uh, well, Nicole, thank you so much for a great hour here and uh, a lot of insights. And uh, I hope we've delivered a good message to people and educated folks about, you know, how this whole thing, you know, works in the real life. Um, and that's about it. Any last questions or last words before we, we part here? No, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed my time here. All right. Well, thank you, folks. Thank you for, you know, joining us today and watching, you know, on the iHealth channel, as well as listening on iHealth Radio. I'm your host, Hurricane H, and we'll be talking soon. Next guest, next show, next topic. Bye for now.